Blimey. This is one out of a jam jar, you got here. The House of Mystery contains demons, angels, elementals, magicians, wizards, apparitions, adult language, and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not enter the House of Mystery. All right, then. All right. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to the House of Mystery, the House of Horrors. I am Michael, your host and guide. Hello. And David is also here with me, the demon bisexual butler that keeps the House of Mystery running. Hello, everybody. All right, Dave. So today we're doing an update show where we talk about all the latest and greatest news pertaining to the world of the darker side of DC. I wish there was more actual John Constantine news. We do have a bit here and there, some articles, but uh, right now we're spread out through some Satana discussions, something on Keanu Reeves, as well as Sandman, which we're going to spend a large portion of our time on the upcoming Sandman series, because there's a lot of discussion, a lot of debate. And I haven't seen this type of debate, David, pertaining to a TV show. Before a TV show has even fucking aired a single episode. And there's this much controversy and debate. I mean, it's making so many headlines with who they're casting and the gender bending of certain characters that it is starting to turn from publicity to fodder for trolls. Oh, easily, easily now, because I think, And it's tough now because you're dealing with a series that a lot of people are invested in as comic book fans. I mean, I remember when Watchmen got first Uh uh, brought up that, oh, HBO is going to do a series on it. And so many people were like saying they better not fuck it up. They can't fuck this up. And Watchmen came out. It was a great series. I actually liked it. And it won over comic book fans. It did fine. But I honestly think that when it comes to those really hardcore comic book fans, yeah, Sandman is almost close to being kind of like treated like a holy Bible of comics. Yeah, and it should because it's and it should. utterly amazing. And also, I, I do understand the, the passion and the emotions behind a lot of these fans. Yeah. I do understand it because it goes right back to what you were saying, Dave. It's a, it's one of those beloved properties. It's a property that didn't just happen 10 years ago. It isn't an idea that came up 10 years ago. This is a story that spawns more than two decades and has become a bit of a, I would say it was a massive hit and success. And I would say it was mainstream, but it started out as being something very cult, had a cult following following, and throughout the years, the fandom has grown. The fandom has gotten older and then it's gotten younger as new people discover it. So what we have now is over two decades of fans that have grown with this project that we all have our own thoughts and opinions on this. And I feel like that has a lot to do with the passion that's, uh, that's being fueled here on social media because the recent decision to cast Johanna Constantine in the upcoming Netflix Sandman series has created a bit of a buzz of sorts uh, connected to controversy because of, 
the obvious. Uh, there was originally outrage over the gender flipped John Constantine, and I'm putting that in air quotes. Gender for you listeners. Obviously, the people that are getting upset are people who obviously don't uh, fully understand Sandman <laughs> nor read no. Sandman because this is a character that is in Sandman. So it doesn't make sense for people to scream, you know, foul ball. And I know we're in very divisive times. We're in the I don't say I don't want to say worldwise, but definitely here in the United States, we're in the middle of a culture war of sorts. And I feel like a lot of people are just ready to you know, scream, oh, this is Wokenism. This is Wokenism. I had, I had my favorite moment this past, uh, this past week with, a with, I, I classified him as a troll. And normally um, it's this YouTuber that basically loves to talk about Constantine and yeah. talk about the dark side of comics. And like, he went on a rant about how this was a gender flip. And what? I sent him That's a so comment. I feel sorry for him. I basically said, did you not wear, uh, read Con- uh, Sandman? No. And he basically like fired back at me and I fired back at him saying, Joanna Constantine is in Sandman. Yeah. And she plays an integral part in Sandman. <laughs> They're not flipping John. John's not going to be in the series. Now, let's say they <laughs> remove John Constantine's involvement and they replace it with Lady Johanna then I would actually, like, Dave, I know this might be controversial and odd coming from me, but I'm actually okay with this because do we really want three John Constantines running around on different shows at the same time? It would create a a fuckery of confusion to the average people. And I'm sure there's listeners right now saying, oh, but the multiverse, people understand that. No, they fucking don't. And it's not about... You understand it. Don't take for granted that... We, as comic book fans, understand those things. But there are going to be a lot of people out there who are just like, why is there a Constantine show on HBO Max? Why is And then Constantine's on Legends of the Tomorrow. Tomorrow. And then he's in Sandman. It's going to dilute the character. Yes. It's going to dilute the the possibilities of, of what shows can and can't do or won't do in, in fear that they may conflict or contradict something that's happening. So... Honestly, I feel like Neil Gaiman going this direction and, and using Lady Johanna Constantine as essentially I have a feeling she will be the replacement as well. I am actually okay with that. I think it makes more sense and it's smart. It's a it's smart, smart direction to go. But I also think that just from what I've been picking out of Gaiman's uh, uh, interviews about the series, the story that we're going to get on Netflix is not page by page verbatim. Of the Sandman story. Yeah, and none of it's us gonna really be told, want that. Yeah, it's going to be told differently. And from what I understand, it sounds like it's going to be told almost, I think the proper term is linearly, time-wise. Right. So, like, it would make sense that Joanna would be introduced before John in this one. You're right. Because Joanna and uh, Morpheus dealt with each other back in the 1800s. And like you, you have to under uh, you have to understand that the story of Sandman. Morpheus's story is basically like you have him; he's around his dream, but then all of a sudden he gets captured, right? And then he's imprisoned for 
decades. Right. So <laughs> what they're doing makes sense. And and again, Dave, if they do bring John Constantine in, actually John Constantine, I'll be fine with that. But honestly, if they decide to just use her as the overall replacement. I think she's going to be the overall replacement. It, it works, right, Dave? Yeah, because if the storyline is basically the buildup to Morpheus's capture yeah. and then his imprisonment for decades, then yeah. it makes sense that Constantine's not going to be in the first... Let's say that this is the first quote unquote season of Sandman. He's not going to be in season one because like, I honestly think that this first season is going to be the buildup of his imprisonment. Right. Well, there's a lot they can do for sure. Oh, absolutely. So the recent casting announcement for Netflix is the Sandman series sparked controversy as complaints arose that the character of John Constantine had been gender flipped. However, these complaints were based on a lack of knowledge and used by some to promote the fallacy that Netflix was going against the original vision of author Neil Gaiman in their efforts to diversify the cast. Yet never mind the fact that Gaiman is a fucking executive producer and has creative say on this series. But they're going against Neil Gaiman. Well, that's the funny part. Is like it's just most of the hardcore of ignorance. Yeah, the hardcore fans you could tell in this battle, like the trolls that are getting there, they're trolls. But the hardcore fans who you know, raise their voice and questions. Gaiman basically, once Gaiman says something, everyone's like, okay, whatever you say, boss. Yeah. Well, <laughs> whatever he's, you he's say. fired back at people and he's straight up in one tweet said, read Sandman again. Yeah, I love that <laughs> I was one. Like, Good for you, man. Like, don't be rude. Don't be. I, I don't like this time that we're in where just because there are fans on the internet being toxic, then we get creators being toxic. I feel like that's the best way to essentially defend yourself and also get your point across by just simply saying the obvious. Because in that one statement, it tells me that Neil Gaiman's saying, dude, I'm the one who fucking wrote this. Like, I know what my story is supposed to be and what it's saying. Go back and read it. Yes. Yeah. So Netflix adaptation of the Sandman has been as we know, a source of no small controversy in part due to the creative decision to change the apparent gender and race of many key characters. Uh, chief among these was the casting of Gwendolyn Christie as Lucifer, the fallen angel who rules hell. I don't feel like an issue like that is, is honestly a big deal. No, because like, especially since the, 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 the talent that they got to portray Lucifer is Gwendolyn Christie. Who's a fantastic actress. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that because like Lucifer, we mentioned this in one of our past uh, episodes. Lucifer is supposed to be, you know, what's the word? He's nothing. Gender neutral. Yeah, he's yes, he's non-binary. <laughs> he's non-binary. That's it. Because in the world of Vertigo comics, and let's just say DC as well. Angels lack physical gender and genitals, no matter how they may choose to present themselves to others. Also, given that, you know, cosmic beings such as gods and the endless tend to appear as what mortals expect. There is no logic. There's no reason why the Sandman's showrunners should have been limited by race and gender to begin with when it comes to characters like that. I, I don't find the, the problem now, when you change someone like Constantine himself, then I, yes, I would have issues with that. If that's what they were doing, I wouldn't be happy if they had made up Joanna Constantine for this series. I would have probably screamed foul ball, but they're using things and ideas from the 
the archives of DC of Vertigo. So I'm on board with this. I don't have a problem with it. I just I hate that everyone's ready to create controversy around things that there is no controversy. Yeah. Like have they these people that that want to claim everything is woke? They need to like go back to all their television favorites from the 80s and 90s that they tend to love and say, "Well, let's go back to the old days." Art <laughs> and television, which I do for the most part consider a form of art. Some call it a craft. I would say it's craft and, and art. I mean, people know that that this form of art, television, no, forget this form. All forms of art have been used since the dawn of time to push progressive thought forward. Mm-hmm. Since the dawn of time. Since the since art became a thing and people didn't like the messages that artists were putting in their work. They were burned. They were murdered. They were thrown in prison. They were silenced. None of this is new. And if you go back and watch your nineties favorites or your two thousands favorites, guess what? You're going to see a lot of pro liberal thought in those shows. I hate to ruin your favorite show, whatever it may be. If it's a quantum leap or CSI, there there are always things that are thrown in and I don't understand the issue. Now, agenda pieces with bad writing and soapbox moments, which is what we get a lot from the CW's shows. Yeah, that's that's terrible. I I don't want to be preached to. I don't want to be told because that's how to done badly. Yes. But who cares? Like, not everything's woke. Just because you have a lesbian or a gay dude or a black man in a TV show, that's not that's not that's not fucking wokeism. That's actually telling stories, dealing with people that actually fucking exist in our society. Yeah, because you always have to remember that art, whether it is writing, television, whatever, novelization doesn't matter. Art is subjective. They will always be influenced by someone's ideas. Yeah. No matter what, it could be it could be liberal, conservative, doesn't matter. What it comes down to is the expression of that art. And even conservative art many times pushes no, it not many times, it does. It pushes, pushes an idea. It's pushing an ideology. That's what these types of things do. So I feel like people just need to chill out and it frustrates me because I don't want controversy surrounding, you know one of my upcoming TV shows I'm looking forward to because then that's what the news is going to be. Well, the news isn't going to be about the right. It's like the, the, the recent Loki thing, you know, getting off topic for a second. It's, it's like Loki talk about the show, talk about the series. No, they're not talking about that. It's being all of the press is being weighed down by a gender, gender fluid, fluid. Uh, um, two second scene because that's what people are obsessed with. And I, and, I feel like that's just unfair to all the people involved in that show. Yes. And the same thing could happen from the different side of the spectrum to Sandman. Instead of getting positive publicity out there talking about how great the show may be when it comes out, we're going to be dealing with these types of things. People that are quick to scream wokeness and and just a bunch of bullshit. Like just fucking sit back and fucking relax so, I think that's it. Hold on. <laughs> I forgot. <what> <laughs> you, you lost right. your train of thought there? So, ignoring the confusion spread yeah. by online trolls and alleged fans. I mean, I guess you can say it's easy to see why the announcement that Jenna Coleman had been cast yeah. as Johanna Constantine might lead some to believe she was gender flipped. But... 
given the, you know, because given the other casting announcements. However, Lady Johanna is a different character. Yes. Being she's related the, to. She's the ancestor yeah, of John Constantine. Very distinct from Constantine. And sure, there are similarities, but honestly, she's a well-rounded character in herself. Oh, easily in the story. Yeah. Her story, while part of the Sandman universe, Joanna Constantine's part in it is probably, I think, one to three issues. Um, It was still very significant because they used it to kind of kind of show that John the character himself there's a reason why he's the way he is it's not just like his upbringing it's kind of like his ancestry and it was it was a cool take on in the story just showing that your ancestors also your family bloodline there is something to say that your family bloodline is what makes you <laughs> I, I always thought that it element was an aspect of the Constantine story that honestly wasn't used enough. Oh, no, no, not at all. I think it's one thing that that's why the character of Joanna Constantine gets forgotten about because fans just want to remember John starting with the incident in uh, in in his origin. Newcastle. In Newcastle. Yeah. They, that's where his story begins. No. John's history begins back with his with his bloodline. Right. And there's a reason why Morpheus knows Constantine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Dave. So staying on the Sandman aspect, Neil Gaiman confirms controversial 24 hours issue will be adapted for episode five. Now, Dave, remind me, because obviously it's been a very long time. Why was the 24 hours issue controversial? Because I thought it was fucking great. You know what? You are in the same boat as I am. I thought the 24-hour thing was absolutely fantastic. Hey, stay in that mic, Dave. I, uh, I am. Fade. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. Okay, it was fading. Check, check, mic one, two. Hold on. Yeah. Go ahead, give me a quick mic check. Check, check, mic one, two, one, two, three, four. Do you want me to move a bit? Okay. Or why you faded, but go, yeah. go ahead. What were you saying? I'm in the same boat as you. When I saw this headline, I was like going, well, wait a minute. The 24 hours series was fantastic. It was, it was critically to me, it was critically accepted. I don't know what the controversy was yeah. uh, behind Wait. the series. This article gets into it a bit. They said that fans were wondering if the events of issue six of the Sandman would be adapted for the upcoming Netflix series. And Neil Gaiman has now confirmed that John D will enter the diner for 24 hours. Uh, in 24 hours, John D, a.k.a. Dr. Destiny, uh, walks into an all-night diner to await his showdown with Morpheus and decides to pass the time by forcing the people inside to play his twisted games by using the Dreamstone to control their minds. And yeah. I could kind of see... Here's the thing. With 24 hours, why they're saying it's controversial is because without giving anything away, because I... I definitely don't want to give any spoilers away about the story. There are some, some depraved moments. And I'm wondering if that's the controversy. Okay. So it's there, there explicit is. in nature. That's why but the here's controversy the thing, though, exists. Those, the, the, the mature, the mature, I, I don't even consider it, ex, uh, you know, a, uh, X rated or anything, but the mature storytelling that he said in 24 hours was just to show that, 
humanity's not good. It's not all good. It's not all roses. There's people out there that are depraved. Yeah. That you, you never know who you're sitting next to. You know, you might be sitting next to the next serial killer. Or, yeah. And stuff like that. And I like that about the 24 hour storyline because the whole point was, you know, these people that he's manipulating, they're not saints. Not all of them. Some right. of well, them, that, sure. Isn't that the point? I feel like any. So basically the controversy has nothing to do with the dislike of the issue. It has to do with the depravity. The it, depictions. The yeah. Yeah. And listen, we're, we're in a different time. Uh, there are a few sites stating that there's no way he is going to show <laughs> this stuff. You know, people are saying in all seriousness, there's no way they're going to depict all the horrendous shit that goes on in that diner. But even the mere suggestion should be enough to traumatize a whole new generation of fans. Obviously the people behind these statements have never watched the boys or Neil Gaiman's other show, American gods, American gods, because I remember thinking there's no way they're going to show that <laughs> goddess eat people through her pussy. Exactly. And guess what they do? They have the goddess eat people through, through her, her vagina. Pussy. Yeah. <laughs> And so, listen, like, we're at a time, this is, we're in, we're, we're in the wild, wild fucking West of television right now with streaming and the fact that the FCC can't really touch anything that we pay for, like cable, uh, streaming services, as long as the advertisers and the powers that be can be convinced and brought on board, there are no limits yeah. to what you can include into a series. So I have a feeling that we're going to get all of it in its wondrous depraved glory. Yeah, I think I think Neil Gaiman's going to be very creative. He's not going to actually do anything. It, Gaiman's not the type of person to do shock for shock's sake. Yeah. It's all about the story. It's all about the narrative, the point that he's trying to get across. Right. And in that whole storyline in issue number six, the idea was to show how depraved humanity can truly be exactly and like yep it wasn't the, depravity for depravity's sake depravity it wasn't sake. exploitive yeah and like well do i think that he's gonna show everything uh, i don't know if he's gonna show everything because that'd be a lot of stuff happening in one episode yeah <laughs> and like do i do i see him like playing on the same themes and everything absolutely for sure and i think that a lot of people think that it's controversial because in all honesty, people are mixing maturity or mature storytelling with X-rated. Yeah. And just like you said, they did American Gods. No one ever thought some of the imagery in American Gods would ever go fly, fly, fly in the face of everybody. Man, I it was, does. No, when that series was announced, I was like, there's no way they're going to adapt even a percent of what this book does. The boys? And yet they have adapted pretty faithfully a lot of those crazy moments yeah the boys that's another series yeah, we never there, thought that'd be ever be made yeah there was a, a scene in the boys last season where a dude has like a 20 foot dick and he, and he hits <laughs> yeah, people with right. it that's right yes but like that's why that's why i feel that when sandman does come out i hope that basically people will look at the storytelling and approach it how they should. It is a mature story. Yeah. If you're letting your five-year-old watch this without any inclination 
Yeah. You, that's like, that's like back in the day. That's like, you know, someone looking at, you know, a, a, a five-year-old in a comic book shop and saying, here, read Sandman. Right. <laughs> that's just, you just irresponsible. Don't, you don't do it. I'm going to call child, call child <laughs> services. So like the people that are worried about the controversy, I think, I think have to really ask themselves, okay, who's Sandman made for? It's right. not made for, you know, kids. Well, that'll be the only controversy is if, you know, people are confused and it's that it's for kids because it's a comic book show like was like what was with like what was the case with the Joker movie. Yeah. You know? So. All right. So moving on, Dave, Zatanna screenwriter says the DC movie will be dark and massive. <laughs> now, 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 Mike, that sounds like a title for a porno. <laughs> It it is it is. But how many times have we heard screenwriters say say this? This character will be dark and massive, well, and something gets lost between the writing room and the actual end product. Yes. Yeah, you're right. So i i appreciate I appreciate the screenwriter saying, "Hey, my script is going to be dark and and it's going to be massive." Okay. When it comes down to it, how is it going to be translated? Right. That doesn't mean the director isn't going to cut, 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 you know, <laughs> things that he might think is better. So. What you want, you want uh, John Constantine only? No, no, no. We got to throw in Batman. <laughs> no. Oh, no, please, David. <laughs> what, what? You want Constantine to have sex with Zatanna? No, 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 no. Uh, we'll just have a relationship between uh, Constantine and Catwoman. There you uh, go. <laughs> no, thank you. All right, Dave. So the Academy Award winning writer Emerald Fennel teases the scope and tone of Zatanna and talks about why she loves writing a superhero film. I am still excited with the fact that Emerald Fennel is attached to this product I am or too. this project. Yeah. And that alone keeps me very optimistic because she is obviously a very talented writer. And I'm super excited to see what a writer like this can do with the Zatanna property. I've always been a fan of getting the unlikely writers and directors on board big tentpole films because typically uh, they do a great job when you get those those artists from the indie circles. Like, look at um, Christopher Nolan. A lot of people don't realize the guy didn't start with Batman. No, he didn't. He started uh, from the indie circuit and made a fantastic film called Memento. Memento. And look what happened when you bring an intellectual into larger scope films, you get excellent movies. So honestly, man, as of right now, because there isn't a lot of information to go on, it's 50 50 on whether or not this is going to turn out to be amazing. Yeah, but they're on the good foot because, I mean, I agree with you. Emerald Fennel coming off of Promising Young Women. Yeah. That would she's she's the hot hand when it comes to actually a scriptwriter. So getting her to actually do a a script on Zatanna is really surprising in my opinion because like they could have easily just said okay you know what she's the hot hand right now we're going to give this one to like a character like Wonder Woman yeah. or Catwoman. No, they decided to actually focus on Zatanna, which is very promising. It's showing that. They want to do something different. Yeah. Well, look what they did with Patty Jenkins and Wonder Woman. Patty Jenkins is also from the indie world. Indie world. And in my opinion, I feel like the first Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman movie is. Oh, the first Wonder Woman fucking is great. one of the best superhero movies of all time. Yeah. 
though, in a recent interview with Empire Magazine, Fennel teased that uh, she has plans for Zatanna. Fennel spoke about what drew her to the character and the potential for the film to be very dark. She talked about the freedom given on the project. And it'll give her too much freedom. We, we definitely want to keep things together. Like we've seen what happened to another franchise that JJ was in control of where there was too much freedom. Yes. And that freedom definitely ran away <laughs> and jumped into uh, a, a flame of glory. <laughs> a starlight jumped pit. right off the caves <laughs> of Mordor into the, the lava pits. There you go. <laughs> So she talked about the freedom given on the project project given it is a superhero film from a major studio instead of an independent film. Uh, Fennel said there are a lot of things about her that felt like they could be really, really interesting and it'll be an opportunity to make something really quite dark. And that appealed to me to make something big and scary. He's all, I love that stuff. The scale of these movies is so massive and so thrilling. Like, why wouldn't you want to write something like that when you can write huge, massive, crazy sequences and fights? Normally, you're like, how can I show this in the smallest, cheapest way? And then she laughs and she's all, to have complete freedom to really let your imagination run wild is such a joy. Okay, that is cool. Yeah. As a writer, being able to sit down and uh, the powers that be essentially said have fun yeah right right what you want it's it's the strengths of like you know it taps into the what makes uh an author that me and you just talked about just in one of the past news articles neil gaiman what makes gaiman fantastic is like that he constantly approaches to every single project with this freedom yeah like you don't know what he's going to come up with and when you can do that for like a writer, that's really thrilling. You know, I hope that Fennel's script, when it does come out, I hope that they gave her just this absolute blank check. I yeah. hope it's true because dude, Zatanna, a Zatanna movie can be just as bombastic and over the top as any superhero movie we've seen thus far, and that includes the Marvel movies. Yeah. There's a lot of potential here to be, for DC to really make a great film. Now, there there's still no director attached. But interestingly, Fennel hasn't ruled out directing the film herself. Now, this movie would be, without a doubt, the largest project that she's ever had to direct. So that's uh, not always great. However, if she has the right team put together, she can definitely pull it off. So I wouldn't have a problem with her directing. She has a good eye. She's intelligent. She knows what she wants in a film. So I feel like it could work. I think it could work. I mean, it also goes into the, the line of tapping into just like what you said, that, that fresh blood of filmmakers. David, do you Did, feel like this movie has to be rated R? I think so. I honestly think so. If you're going to go, if you're going to go dark and you're going to go into the dark side of DC, yeah. you need to go rated R. I say I'm not completely sold on that. Like I definitely see where you're coming from. And my first knee jerk reaction is like, yeah, rated R has to be. But then I, I feel like if it's written well, directed well, 
and everything just flows, then let it be what it needs to be, whether it be PG-13 or, or R. And if in the process of your writing, you know, if Fennel is writing and and her imagination is running wild, then the artist or the writer shouldn't be beheld to ratings by any means. No, but, but if it has to be organic, I don't want them gunning for a rated R rating because that's the new hip thing yeah. for DC to now do. But when you're dealing with a character like Zatanna, who if for those out there that know her background, her background is not very PG. No. She, I mean, I mean, titties, ass. <laughs> is that what you're talking about, Dave? No, 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 no. Oh, oh, oh. I'm talking about like the fact that her background is essentially her father makes a deal with the devil or a demon to give Zatanna powers or to give himself powers and his bloodline powers. So you're dealing with basically like dark stuff like demon dealings, hell, all that stuff. And if you were to make it PG or anything less than an R, I think it would do a disservice well, to the character. Come on, PG. That would suck. I'm, I don't want yeah. no PG Zadana. <laughs> Can you imagine, though? Oh, that'd be awful. They're not doing that. <laughs> but I honestly don't feel like it has to be rated R. I feel like that's just something people have convinced themselves that things need to be in order for it to be mature. And I don't feel like that's the case. I am of the school of thought that it's 100% up to the writer. And if through the process of writing a good story that it veers into rated R territory because the story dictates it, yes. then I am all about that. I want those organic ratings. Yeah. Not, hey, we need that rated R. So let's uh, make sure you include this and, and this. And then that just feels exploitive at times. It's kind of like Snyder's. Uh, rated R releases like I'm a fan of Snyder and I like what he uh, I know a lot of people I know this is very controversial there are some people out there that do not like Snyder uh, but I personally like what he has done with DC but I feel like some of his recuts like it's rated R I'm like okay well let's see what's included I'm like that's not really rated R dude. exactly like you're just adding a rated R symbol there to make it more edgy yes. but it's not really a rated R picture and that's what I'm hoping that it's not for Zatanna right you know yeah. I mean if you're going I to do it make it R and make it R because the story because it dictates story. it yeah exactly not because it's going to be some novelty if we get to see Zatanna's titties, that's a, that's a okay, bonus. Now, David, that's an, an, a whole other topic because <laughs> if we're going to get a rated R Zatanna, then guess what? <laughs> I better see a sex scene. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to lie. They have to do at least one scene with Zatanna where she is doing something very suggestive yeah. up on stage. I want, because that's the whole gimmick of her character. David, I want Batman damned Zatanna. Yes. I want that one. That's a bombshell. <laughs> exactly and that's but that, that come that on goes, Finnell, give me that that <laughs> goes to my that that goes to my thing about a character's themes that's something that is in, intrinsic to the character of zatana you know while we might not know might not be you know it might not be very pc to say zatana is a very sexualized character in comics oh is, is that a good thing though sexualized being sexualized but that's the whole point about her gimmick is the fact that she is sexualized, but because, but that's why people kind of downplay her. Yeah. Well, I don't, that's a whole other topic, Dave, because I don't even agree with the sexualization of female characters in comic books. I know it's, it's new and hip and trendy well, to say those that things. Basically everyone says, but, but David, I don't agree with that because I mean, if, sure. Okay. You know, you know what? I do agree. They do 
sexualize female characters in comic books. But guess what? They also sexualize men. men. That's why the men exactly. wear dick huggers all the time. And you exactly. can see their scrotum. And their scrotum's like gigantic. Yeah. And why we don't have fat superheroes. We have superheroes with giant shoulders, buff arms, and abs. Abs. They, they sexualize <laughs> characters because it's called fantasy. These comic books were designed to take people into a world of escapism. Because, listen, I am not going to read a comic. Listen, I'm not against people who are overweight, Dave. I'm not. Yeah. I said, but listen, I'm not going to read a comic book and feel like I'm a part of the story if the story is about a man who is, you know, five seven and he weighs three hundred pounds. pounds. I don't find anything relatable about that, you know, or something I want to be. The idea of reading comic books as when I was a kid growing up reading comic books, it was the whole idea was I want to be that guy. I want to exactly. be Superman. I want to be Batman. I'm not going to say that watching someone that looks like, you know, Chris Pratt before he got, got rid of his fat. Exactly. There's a reason why Chris Pratt went through the through all that exercise and regime to get into, yeah. quote, unquote, superhero shape. And listen, that might sound callous, but that's the facts. Oh, it's the facts. I uh, I totally agree with you 100 percent because I'm like going people who don't like. Really realize that in all media, everything is sexualized. I look at them. I even told the girl. One time, okay, if you're bothered by the sexualization of this character, what about uh, just a second ago you were talking about like Jason Momoa as exactly. Aquaman? Exactly. When, it, when, and the water cascading down his body. Yeah, don't tell me when he, that opening scene <laughs> in Aquaman, when he jumps into the submarine and he d- gives everyone that sly look and says permission to come, come aboard. aboard. <laughs> don't tell me that wasn't a sexual innuendo and, yeah. and something he was saying to every fucking woman in the audience. Exactly. Sexualization. Again, this is a topic for a whole other show, but sexualization is vital to mainstream media period. I I don't want to say vital. It's a, it's a part of mainstream media. It's been embedded into the fabric because the idea of what we sell, the reason why people want to see movies and why we have celebrities is because we want to be that star. We want to be rock. We want to be Channing Tatum and the girls look at the women and say, Oh, I want to be just like Sama Hayek or I want to be like Meryl Streep or whoever else is attractive and good looking as an actor. There's a reason why, because it's speaking to a very base superficial side of all of of us. us. Everyone has it. (laughs) Everyone has it. it. That's why they sell sex because it works on everyone, whether you be a male, a female, or whatever else. It works. So enough with this whole sexualization, please. <laughs> sexualize, sexualize, sexualize. Zatanna, please. They have to. <laughs> All right, let's go to a quick break. We'll be right back. The Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. Now at that point, yeah, all, we all, got shot. All bets are off. Yeah, that's like, listen, I'm screaming, I'm pissing down my leg, I'm shitting myself. An octave at that point. Yeah, I would hope I would be manly as I'm dying. Like, oh shit, bro. <laughs> get a really channeling your Vin Diesel. Get a really sick, deep voice. Your last words are like trying to. Let me just try and squeeze the bullet out. <laughs> I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna flex the bullet out. Yes. <laughs> like right there, that would have been. I just got shot. That's about. That's higher than Ava Maria. Yeah. That's not quite right. You know, I was. I was wondering. <laughs> 
We're going to hell. Oh, absolutely. It's got a lot of power, and it makes me feel like it, it makes me feel like. Rain Man Show, exclusively on Rain Man Digital. Head over to RainmanDigitalMedia.com for more details, or search for it wherever you listen to podcasts. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to AdamandEve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. To the House of Mystery. Make sure you visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Rainman Digital and pledge. When you pledge one dollar or more, you'll gain access to the Oblivion Bar, which is a mini cast that we do on Patreon from time to time. Uh maybe three, four times a month. We talk a little bit about DC related stuff when it's connected to the dark side of DC, of course. It's a lot like this show, just a little more casual because it's pretty much at the top from coming from the top of our heads. You know, oh, we riff yeah. a bit. We talk about whatever latest news is out there that just that has just dropped. So be sure to go to Patreon, help us out. That's really the only way we can continue to do these shows. And when people roll their eyes and say, "Oh yeah, okay," no, it is. It's it really is. the only thing that allows us to continue to do these shows week after week because of all the expenses that comes with running a network. I mean, just the power, it's 110 degrees in Arizona right now. So (laughs) the air conditioning is very low and that costs a lot of money. So please patreon.com slash rainman digital. Dave. So this article is a little, I don't want to say it's dated. The topic's a little dated because it has to do with uh, Keanu Reeves' Constantine film. And at this point, why are we even discussing this? But I feel like it's an interesting topic because, for one, I am a huge fan of this movie. Oh, yeah, me too. I don't really view it as a Hellblazer movie necessarily. And that's probably the reason why I like it so much because the movie is just really well made and we've done an entire review and discussion on this film if you want to go back and listen to that you can just open up your podcast feed for house of mystery and scroll down towards the bottom and you'll see it but i love the movie it is amazingly put together it's well directed well written uh, the uh, visual effects still hold up the story is solid it's a great movie it's just not a great Hellblazer flick. It's not a John Constantine. Yes, it's not. It really isn't. But it does have a huge fan base now. And when it originally came out, the box office dollars wasn't 
super great. I believe it grossed worldwide close to $230 million. Uh, and the production budget was $100 million. And typically a movie, in order to make its money back and a profit and be considered a success, it needs to usually, typically a movie needs to make two to three, two to three times its budget. Uh, pre- preferably three times its budget. And the movie didn't do that. And because of that, the movie flipped into the obscurity of Warner Brothers Studio. And it was no longer a priority for them to produce a second film. However, that didn't stop the fans from slowly gravitating towards to this movie. And before you know it, 15 years later, the film has garnered a very large and vocal fan base. Yes. It's, it's taken years, but it's there. And because of that, you're constantly hearing these discussions pertaining to Keanu Reeves depiction of Constantine and this film. And they recently had a 15 year anniversary and the director talked about the film and how the rated R rating is what ultimately he feels destroyed everything they could have done with this movie. Now he was standing by his work. He wasn't one of those directors that, you know, retrospectively likes to shit on something he's done. However, he does feel creatively that he was creatively silenced for various reasons. And one reason has to do with the fact that they wanted the movie to be PG 13. Originally when it had started, the director says the first film, we thought it was going to be rated R he said during this 15th anniversary reunion panel, uh, he said Warner brothers then dictated that it had to be PG 13 because of what it costs. And because it costs, you know, it's going to cost a hundred million dollars. They needed to change the guidelines to make sure it would be PG 13. And then it would be able to be marketed to a much larger audience. However, the motion picture association of America still gave Constantine a hard R or tone, despite the fact that they cut everything that would have made the movie rated R. So not only was the guidelines by the director completely covered, that he was a team player and listened to the studio and said, yes, we will do this. We will cut these things and make it PG-13. And ultimately, it just really left a bad taste in the director's mouth because he said, okay, so I cut things from this movie. So it would be PG-13 for the studio, and we get a rated R rating anyways. And he feels like this means that he possibly, you know, he he alluded to the fact that he compromised his vision for Constantine for no reason at all. For no reason. <laughs> and that has to be frustrating. Yeah. Can you imagine a, being a team player, being a company man, following the rules? Yes, sir, I will do this. I understand the game that we must play. And then it really didn't matter anyways. And you did the cutting when you should have just left it all in there. Yeah. Especially, I mean, me and you have talked about in the past when we discussed about the movie, the stuff that was cut out. Really, we don't know why it was was cut out because like it was actually some of it was actually pretty well. It should have been actually put into the movie to actually give the characters a bit more breathing. Yeah. So I don't know what's ever going to, if anything will ever happen to this. I am a a little conflicted. I know there are a lot of Matt Ryan fans out there, and I'm included in that. That feels like he could be given 
the reins to a film. Unfortunately, Matt Ryan doesn't have the star power to to justify a hundred million dollar plus picture for a Constantine film at this time. He yeah, just, he just doesn't. Actually, the, so, there's a there's a cool thing here, Mike, that I found going through the the article. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, there's more even about what director Francis Lawrence was talking about. Yeah. And you tell me what you think about this, because okay. this was a surprise. He says, I had to deal. Uh, I had a deal at Warner brothers at the time. I was trying to convince people to let me be a producer. The script was lying around, which was really compelling. Lorenzo D Bonaventura and Bob Brazel. And I put it together with Nick, Cage and Tarsim Singh directing. So Nick Cage was going to be included at first as Constantine. Yeah. And we started prepping the movie. Then we stopped prepping the movie and the movie went to sleep for a while. And slowly but surely the idea was durable enough. Like many interesting scripts could outlive whatever struggles it had. And there was this video director who was really something. And so began the restructuring of Constantine with the three of us playing various parts in order to get uh, to try to get it up and alive again. Yeah. Can you imagine yeah, if instead of Keanu Reeves, we had Nick Cage? That, that would be weird. And honestly, I don't know. I am a, I'm actually a fan of Nicholas Cage. I feel like the guy needs a better manager to keep him under control. I mean, now he has found his groove, with, found his, his with, groove. The, with some of his choices in films and it, it works for him, but yes. there was about a 10 to 12 year stint that he couldn't make a decent film. And this is a guy that's an Academy award winner who actually is a really good actor, but yeah. people don't remember that people remember that he is some shitty hack that does the same odd roles all the time when that's not the case. Unfortunately, he got into a habit of doing that. Uh, now he's out of it and he is finding projects that work well for him. But I don't think that would have worked. I don't think uh, it is Constantine. It just, it would have felt weird. It would have felt really weird. I, I honestly think that Keanu Reeves is an odd choice. He's not British, and obviously they weren't trying to go with that British flair. But he's not as bombastic as no Nicholas Cage. He plays the quiet, stoic, kind of internally suffering. Yeah, well, which worked. Which That's does. what worked yeah. for that Constantine. I yeah, know. I agree. <laughs> I do agree, and that's why I'm a bit conflicted about about this movie in the way of where it goes like do we just forget it and say see you later you're going to slip into the the archives and obscurity where you know green lantern is at or some other dc property that we pretend doesn't exist or is there a viable future someday for this film and is there an audience for this and from a business standpoint i would think there is a viable future for this if the studio was into making money, Keanu Reeves is a is a is a huge star, huge. The guy is is a celebrity and a star, and he would bring in the money for you. He's a lot more popular than he was. He's been popular for years since I was a kid, but he's even more so now. He has garnered such a vast fan base because of his movies, because of his personal life, and the fact that he's just such a good dude. A lot of people just like him and everything he does now. I mean, with his franchises and his movie choices, they do really well uh, from a box office standpoint. So I feel like as a box office, when 
Constantine two with Keanu would be probably a good move, but there may be Hellblazer fans that <laughs> don't want it because want it's it. Keanu Reeves and it's not really Hellblazer. So that I feel also is holding it back. The studio is not in the position right now to give people things like fans that that are griping and complaining and aren't getting on board. And I feel like there would be a lot of complaints about this from the Hellblazer side. Now, can you imagine if Constantine 2, because I know that there's a lot of people, you know, there is some chatter out there about it happening. What happens if they connect it to Zatanna? I, I, I mean, the multiverse, David, the multiverse can be used <laughs> for anything. Not even the multiverse, Mike. We're talking like just straight they connect Constantine and Zatanna is that there. All right, do anything and Keanu possible. Reeves. Keanu Reeves, that's that's the beginning of the dark side of DC is Keanu Reeves is Constantine and then the new Zatanna. Anything is possible. I honestly don't think it's gonna happen. Personally, I feel like the Keanu Reeves version of Hellblazer is forever gone. I don't think it's gonna happen, but We'll see, Dave. Anything's possible when it comes to DC. You know, they can't even decide what their name's going to be. <laughs> they can't even decide. So, man. you know, we'll see. All right, so John Constantine just met DC's forgotten hero in the DC Pride one-shot. John Constantine shares a story and drink with an important but oftentimes forgotten mystical hero. Yes. All right, so to celebrate LGBT. PQIA plus Pride Month DC released the anthology DC Pride, which celebrates a parade of LGBTQ plus characters and creators. One of the stories featured John Constantine having a drink with DC's first openly gay superhero, Extraño. Yeah. Extraño. <laughs> or Gregorio Gregorio de la Vega. Regales Constantine with a story about he and Midnighter's battle with Count Berlin, a Nazi vampire hellbent on using magic to alter the history of the Patroclus and Achilles. And Achilles. So, first off, I want to say, just to backtrack just a bit, it is a fucking travesty <laughs> that John Constantine was not on the cover. Of the DC Pride issue. Yeah, I know. He um, is one of the longest running openly bisexual characters in all of comic books. Yes. He blazed trails before it was trendy and hip to be LGBT. Q plus. Q plus. <laughs> Q. In fact, you know what? They should probably add an H in there. LGBTQIH+. H+. Give Hellblazer the respect for being the trailblazer it was. How? <laughs> Who <laughs> the fuck was in charge of this? It, it, it really goes to show. And he something. didn't get his own story. Yeah. So not only was he not on the cover, but he didn't even get his own story. Yeah. Fuck John, right? Fuck him. <laughs> you think that's what they're thinking over there? That's what I'm fuck like him. doing. Fuck him. That's why I was like, going, when I saw this, I was like, going, number one, cool. They brought, they brought back Extraño. The story of Extraño, dude, is funny. Extraño. Extraño. No, Extraño. That, that right. Extraño. You got you to get that in. The but, end. 
that that whole story, that whole story of that character and the nine other characters that he got introduced with is hilarious because it was basically they were heroes that were told that were granted powers by guardians and told go out there and spread your seed. Oh, and th- that that's, essentially that was it. That's a pretty cool command. <laughs> you were, and this was back in 1988. And Extranio was, was, it was one of the wackiest DC moments for stories if people want to look it up. But like the fact that you have Extranio and you have John Constantine (laughs) together, you save this for a one shot for Pride Month. I know. What the hell? I know, dude. Even the content (laughs) itself is cool. It's cool. Yeah, I. I don't know sometimes, David, about DC Comics. I don't know what they're thinking. They missed the boat so many times. Imagine if they did a DC Pride variant with Constantine and his cock is out. (laughs) (laughs) That would be awesome. I'm just joking about that part. But imagine it would have sold through the roof. Yeah. How is there not a Constantine variant at least? Nah, fuck them. No story. Not even on the cover. The one, the one character that, as just like you said, has been openly bisexual and is has so many story. There's so many stories where he's hinted at sleeping with other superheroes. He, he has blazed a trail in the way of acceptance. Yeah, during a time when things were very different, and it's honestly, Dave, I'm being one hundred one hundred percent one hundred percent sincere right now. When I say, you know, I I say a lot of things a little snarky and I make jokes, but dude, as a a reader of DC Comics, I feel very disappointed. Like, how can you just drop the ball in this way? Yeah. It doesn't even make sense. And you, essentially, this was actually done. Now, don't get me wrong. I actually really like the content because I actually read read the story, but like... You just had to make this a one shot for Pride Month and you couldn't do this just in general. You know what we need to do? I wasn't on the, the schedule to cover, but we should probably just cover this story. In an upcoming house of mystery. I wouldn't mind. Well, n- not his origin. We can do his story as well if you want down the road, but I'm talking about this actual one shot story. Do you think it's worth covering? I think so. Okay. I mean, well, it's a fun, it's, it's a fun read. Well, then let's throw it on the schedule and we'll cover it soon. So, all right, Dave, this does bring us to the end of our discussion. I want to thank everyone for listening. Remember, find us on iTunes, leave us some reviews, give us a thumbs up. If you see our shows hit social media, be sure to give it some love. Give us a like, retweet if you're on Twitter. It does help us. It helps trigger those algorithms. Most of our action takes place on Facebook. That's where we get most of our click-throughs, and we do pretty well there. Twitter is a bit of a ghost town, unless you're talking politics. Uh, so I'm on there for funsies, but, uh, yeah. Facebook.com slash, I believe house of mystery, six, 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 six. six. <laughs> All right. This does now officially in the show, David. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, the ghosts of our past Thanks. stick around. My name is John Constantine. I'm the one who steps from the shadows, all trench coat and arrogance. I'll drive your demons away. Kick them in the bollocks and spit on them when they're down. 
leaving only a nod and a wink and a wisecrack. I walk my path alone, because let's be honest, who'd be crazy enough to walk it with me?